Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. National STEM Day is coming up and a Philadelphia inventor is leading a grassroots effort to help kids learn in a more fun, thought-provoking way. He calls himself Steve the Legacy and he designed STEM learning games for kids right in his living room. The lady that bought four games for me, she said, my mama played this and she taught me how to play. You're not just selling a game, you're selling our stories back. We'll learn about his journey and how the word can't is not in his vocabulary. Charity Howard searches a city to bring you inspiring stories of interesting people. What's this book about? The children's book is Jackie Joyner Curse Running for the Go, but the most important thing is connecting kids to dream. All that and more on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Steve Stotts, also known as Steve the Legacy is a local black inventor and author and so-called limiting belief specialist. We'll find out exactly what that is in a moment. He helps entrepreneurs and students connect their beliefs with their skill set by using research-based mental strategies. Now, Steve creates STEM-inspired games, which were recently accredited by STEM.org. The games are colorful, they're bright, they're engaging, and he builds all of the games and ships them out right from his house. National STEM Day is November 8th, and we wanted to check in with Steve to learn more about his venture. Welcome to Bridging Philly, Steve. Thank you for having me. First and foremost, tell me why you call yourself Steve the Legacy. Um, I'm actually, I'm a junior. Okay. Uh, my dad, uh, my late father, I mean, he passed away uh, when I was 17. And I think at that time, basketball was the thing that kept us close. So um, after he passed away, uh, you know, I didn't play ball anymore. I wanted to find a way to continue to have um, a piece of him with me and everything I do. So one day, I know God just told me, like, Steve the Legacy. And I said, you know what? I like that. I'm going to run with that. Steve the Legacy. Okay. Now, what is a limited belief specialist? Limited belief specialist is something I recently um, created. And the reason why I created that was because the fact is most people, they, they have the potential to actually do the impossible. But a lot of them don't have the belief system strong enough to carry it through. And that's the biggest challenge, right? So what I do is I try to extract the challenges that are blocking them, right? And empowering and activating what they already have inside them. See, most people got to understand is that they already have, they just have to be turned on. Hmm. See, I always use the analogy, like when you go to the cell phone store, a lot of the phones, the display phones, they're on, but you cannot really use them until you get connected to the network. Once you get connected to the network, then you're able to use it. So the network is the self-belief inside them. Once they get connected, then anything that they touch going to turn into gold. Interesting. Yeah. What was your childhood like? Did you grow up in Philly? I grew up in the Ione section of Philadelphia. I went to Morrison Elementary. Yeah. I graduated from Roxborough High in 02, and shout out to Cheney University, 07. A small block, Sula Street, shout out to Sula Street. Um, that's where we played basketball, ran up and down the street. 
that kids was out there. I mean, something about kids playing and laughter gets me very excited. You know, the kids outside playing and all that laughter is not something we see as often as we used to see yeah. when we were growing up. I mean, kids used to be outside, digging mm-hmm. in the dirt, discovering things, yes. questioning things, you know. But I don't see that too much. Yeah. I know technology is a great thing. Yes. But, you know, I, I'd love to see more kids become a little bit more curious and explore more. And I'm wondering, you know, someone who, as an adult, is an inventor, were you always that kind of a kid that liked to explore and ask questions, things like that? I come from a household. My mom allowed us to have a childhood. Mm. And the reason why I say allowed is because I think some kids didn't have that experience. You know, they had to grow up quick, you know, certain things, different things they had to do. And, you know, you have a short span for that childhood to, to, to take advantage of it. And, you know, the weird part, what I think about it, is a short span with a childhood, but we always tap back into it as adulthood throughout our whole life. I think my mom gave us the gift of freedom. Mm. And what we did was we was able to explore. I was inventing since I was 12. Steve Urkel was my actually my role model at the time, oh, wow. watching Family Matters. Um, I, that's the first time I understood it. He always kept on saying patent pending, patent pending. <laughs> when I was a kid, I didn't know what that was. And I used to always say patent pending, patent pending. And this is another thing they used to have at school. They don't have any more like that. But they used to have a science fair, invention fair. Yes. And um, I won first, pl- first prize. And best of school and city and all that good stuff. But I didn't have the money. I didn't have the end all and be all about how to take it to the next level. And that's when I got discouraged for like 20 years. And then that one aha moment came about a few years back. Let's talk about that. Um, Maybe we can kind of combine this with this. I wanted to ask you what inspired you to start creating STEM games for kids. And is that aha moment somewhere in there? The aha moment came in February of this year. My mom sent me a picture of her teaching my daughter Layla how to play the game of jacks. A, a moment in my head said, how you can take it to the next level. Yeah. So when I get a question like that in my head, I cannot rest until I see it come true. So when I saw the ending, I had to work my way back to the beginning. How am I going to make it be what it is? So my daughter named it Cubics because it reminds her of the Rubik's Cube. So I said, oh, okay, I like that name. All right, well, how am I going to do it? So I kept asking myself questions. I got a whiteboard in my living room. I asked questions, look at bullets and things like that and came up with the game in less than like two months. And then all of a sudden, I said, I need to have a tournament. Oh, wow. And I'm like to myself, tournament? You just created this game. No, we're going to have a tournament. Don't know where, but it's going to happen. And that, okay. that dream came true a few months later at Barnes & Noble. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, our first annual tournament was this past July. Okay. And, um, and, and, I, and I lost. And um, Mickey, Mickey uh, my girlfriend, she, she, she beat me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, on one of the segments, you know. But the kids had a great time. That's good. And That's good. for it to be the first game tournament in a major retailer like Barnes & Noble, yeah. I think that was a great idea. That's great so what I encourage people to do, don't limit their belief in, because I, I was going to have it at the park. But they said, no, think something bigger. And then sometimes you can get to that point. And I'm like, ah, maybe not right now. No, no, no. The time is always right when the idea is hot and the emotion is strong. Let's talk about Cubics, the game. I, I see you brought some of your games with you. Yes. And you have three different versions, or maybe four, a couple of versions yes. of Cubics. Mm-hmm. Now, I see the dice like mm-hmm. cubes with yes. numbers on them, and it mm-hmm. has a ball. I'm imagining you bounce the ball and you throw the dice. How does it work? So, just like the game of jacks. Yeah. Back in the day, you had 10 little jacks, the ones that you step on and injure your feet on, right? Mm-hmm. Remember those? Remember that day? Okay. So, you had <laughs> yes. those type, right? But now, now it's not the jacks anymore. We have the cubes, different color um, coordinations. So, the original Cubics game flows just like the game of jacks, but a strategy now. So, you get uh, 10 different color ones. The black is worth three points. The red is worth two. The rest is worth one. Um, 
Each round, you have 13 points to get. In 10 rounds, the person with the most points wins that game. So you do first round is onesies, second round is twosies, so that's twos at a time, mm-hmm. third round, three at a time, four, all the way up to 10. You said this is the original. That's the original Which Cubics. Which one is that? So this one is Cubic Fractions that okay. I just invented uh, three days ago. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and this is Cubic's <laughs> word okay. that was invented about five days ago. Oh. Uh, what I tell people is that when you have the mastery of finding out how to do it the first time, then the second and third time will come easier because you already know the concept. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of you got to find a strategy. Mm-hmm. Now it's the thing of connecting that with the market and getting into retail, and that's where the whole goal is now. So for Cubics, when kids play Cubics, what muscle exactly are they exercising? So it's developing, and they call it, it's the word, it's a cute little word called dexterity, right? Hand and eye coordination motion, right? This is the thing that most of the kids in the early 90s and even before in the 70s, used to be able to obtain that from the different games that we played. But here's the downfall now. Everything is tablet-infused. Everything is cell phone-infused. So the only thing that's really getting a workout is the thumbs and the index finger. Other than that, you're not building that connection. What I like about Cubics is the timing. you got to know how high you got to drop the ball or bounce the ball. you got to have the strategy, which one you're going to pick up, second one you're going to pick up. Strategy of the the combinations of numbers, because now we're going into math now. says, I'm picking up now. i got to know the answer while I'm picking up. Or you lose that turn. Same with words. The cubic work is interesting. The first round will probably be animal. So when you see an A, well, animal kind of fine. You got to be quick, B. So you, coordination, sharpness, this is the stuff that's going to really elevate them to be quick on their feet, quick with their hands, and focus. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Tell me about your journey, your entire journey. I'm wondering if you tried to go to the big uh, corporations, the big game companies, and present some of your ideas to yes. them. And what happened with that if you did that? I reached out After. to a couple of the, um, the big time ones that you already know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they said, no, not at this time. Uh, some didn't even respond. Uh, but I don't see things for what it is. I see things for what it can become. So that was the determination. When they shut the door, I said, you know what? Move all the stuff out the living room, bring some tables in here, and start creating your factory. Okay. And you did it. Yeah. And it's happening. Mm-hmm. How long have you been creating games? Uh, it's been about two years. Two years. Okay. First one was a, bo- a board game called Dictionary Daddy. What I did with Layla one day. He was watching TV on Netflix. Netflix, I guess, took over all of us during the pandemic. So one Saturday, I said, enough, enough with this, Netflix. <laughs> Let's create a game. Was this partly motivated by the pandemic? I mean, we all were kind of locked in and had to kind of tap into our creativity and the like. And this was just about two years ago. Did it kind of come from there? Did That's exactly where it came from. What's your process like when you're approaching, when you get that idea for a new game? Is it something from the outside that comes in? And how do you approach okay, this could be a game, or I could teach it this way in a game. It would be just a, a little idea of something that can stimulate fun. Mm-hmm. Now I think about what can be educational behind it. What are your thoughts um, on the current state of diversity and inclusion in the STEM field? Is it diverse enough? Do we need to see a little bit more diversity? We need to see more. Yeah. And the great thing is it's going to happen. Why? Because I'm here. All right, so I'm here now. We're going to make it happen. Because I'm not going to let that be um, a position where we're not going to have any of that. You know, I went to Toy Fair this couple, past couple of weeks, right? We had a ball. Um, but, you know, I came down there with a different packaging. Thought I was going to get a deal. I showed up and he said, the games are nice, but you're not retail ready. Let me show you what retail ready looks like. So we walked through the aisles of the toys. 
And he looked at me. He said, I see your mind moving. I said, now that I know what I got to do, I can't wait to get on the Amtrak train home because I'm ready to go back. And that's why you see these new packages now was from the, the visit of Toy Fair. I did not get the deal at first, but they showed me how I'd become retail ready. Steve, what would you say are some of the benefits um, of STEM games for kids? Like, I know a lot of kids learn differently. And I, I guess if we had every subject in a game, it would make things uh, easier. But what are some of the benefits of having STEM games for kids to learn? I'm going to put this out there. I did a TED Talk last year that talked about how the different type of learning styles that we all have. I'm a visual learning mm-hmm. until after I graduated from college. I mean, I would have been a better student you know, if I would have known that. But um, they told us all the same, right? So I think with the STEM games, they, they activate some components in the, in the mental force of how to look at things differently. Sometimes you, you got to understand Sometimes you can get uh, very intimidated by uh, problems on a piece of paper or um, a test or a pop-up quiz. We yeah. get the fear. And a lot of times the fear is just of their own unknown. Half the time you probably know the information, right? But you get so fearful of the structure how it's being presented to you that you're scared to mess up. I think the games would be a great addition of I can learn, have fun, and I don't have to feel nerve-wracking trying to get across the new knowledge of it. It could be math. It could be words and reading and it will make you sharper because I really think we all have that mental capacity that can withstand a lot of information. We just got to find ways how to activate it. And I think this is a great way to activate those different things. Now, of course, STEM teaches the ability to think critically mm-hmm. and challenging standards, of course. And how important is innovation, would you say, to economic growth? If you don't have innovation, you don't have future. If you don't allow the kids, and this is the thing that I want the, I want the kids to have the freedom to imagine anymore. Like, we need an innovation of allowing kids, not only to be kids, but allow them to help shape the future. I'm wondering, I'm sure that there are a lot of future innovators and um, inventors right here in Philadelphia, yes. in Germantown, and all the different sections of Philadelphia. But kids just need the exposure, and they just need the motivation to do something different. Yes. But you got to find somebody. Remember, I said Steve Urkel was me. Yeah, Steve Urkel is not on air anymore, right? But the spirit of why I started to want to learn how to invent was because of every Friday night. I didn't have cable. It was, it was uh, TGI Friday, right? So um, now the new kids have to see somebody that will look like them, that, that is possible. I was looking for that person. You know, it's funny. I stumbled across a guy, Ken Johnson. Shout out to Ken Johnson. He's the creator of Phase 10, the card game. Anybody play Phase 10? And he's African-American. And I wanted to meet him. And I connected with somebody, and he told me, he said, look, you got to keep going after it. How do kids respond uh, to these games when you present them to them or they go to some kind of uh, event where you have the games and they see them? How do they respond to them? Do you test them out on kids or maybe your own kids? The, the crazy thing, what I do, I have a table. I built a Cubics table that comes with me, a.k.a. TV tray. But anyway, I, I, <laughs> I customize the TV tray into a Cubics table, right? Okay. It's a board. And I start playing. I go to the parks. I just start playing with, with myself or I play against Maria. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, they gravitate. See, kids like something that's not your everyday normalcy. It's not normal. Yeah. To see a guy picking up some cues with a ball. What is that? But the parents come. That reminds me of Jax. That's the first thing you always hear that shout out. I'm like, yeah, it is. But I took Jax to another level. And then, oh, wow. And that's how they talk. And then the kids and the parents, you see, they're trying to teach them. So now, the recent event that I was at, at Lovett um, Library, shout out to Lovett Library, um, we came to an um, event, a community affair, and I loved it. The, the older lady that bought uh, four games for me, she said, my mama played this, and she taught me how to play. You're not just selling a game, you're selling our stories back. 
I said, I didn't think about that. She's like, yeah, because now I think about it. I think about the times that I spent with my mom and how she played. I haven't seen this in a long time. Let me get three of them. I said, oh, thank you very much. And I just thought about it. It's not just the game itself. It's the relationship that you're going to tell the story and the kid can have with their parents and the parents can have with their, uh, their parents. You know, this thing is an ongoing thing because it's bringing back. That's why um, the best thing to do is find something that's successful and find a way to make it better. Just tweak it. Yeah. That's what I think life is all about, tweaking. So what would you say to the next group of young black innovators, uh, those with ideas and they're creatives and they want to bring something to the table, but of course there are challenges out there. How should they stay encouraged? In the words of Will Smith from The Pursuit of Happiness, and this is the part when he was talking to Jaden at the playground, Will is leaning against the gate and he's telling Jaden, little Jaden, saying, some people will say that you can't do something only because the fact is they can't do it themselves. Don't let nobody stop you, period. And there's a period behind it. Don't let nobody tell you that you can't do anything. So no matter what somebody said that you can't do, do it. The mm-hmm. best revenge that you have of anybody saying what you can't do is success. Awesome. Steve, your story is very inspiring. And love the games and continue success to you, Steve. Thank the you. Legacy. Our very own inventor right here <laughs> uh, in Philadelphia. Um, you're very motivating. Thank you. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. If it's happening in Philadelphia, Shara Day Howard knows all about it. Here's the latest, Shara in the City. 7-year-old Amira and Capri sang out loud and danced non-stop, waiting to meet Olympic legend Jackie Joyner-Kersey at Drexel's Vidas Play Day, and they weren't disappointed. Well, I'm happy 1,000% because I like to play games and love to do stuff. And by do stuff, Capri means play football and run drills with over 200 other students from Elaine Locke Elementary School who had a once in a lifetime opportunity to meet the Olympic legend, but also to get a free copy of her new book, Running for the Gold, Connecting Kids to Dreams. And of course, a little fun and words of inspiration from the Olympic medalist herself. Oh, I hear this side, but I don't hear this side. How are we doing over here? How are we doing over here? Over here. I do think that it's very important, no matter how old you are or how young you are, the things that we teach at my center is about self-respect, and it starts with you. You can do anything you put your mind to. Someone going to tell you you're not going to be anything, but you'll find a way to dig deep and find a way to prove those individuals or those groups wrong. And while all the activities were just getting started and about to go down, I met with Maisha Kelly, the Director of Athletics at Drexel University. She had a lot to say about why this day was necessary. Today is our Vitus Play Day, so this is now the third year where we've hosted an opportunity to invite community members, our neighbors, over to Vitus, where we have 15 acres, and hang out with our student-athletes. And so. We've got about 200 plus students from Locke Elementary walking over to be with Division I student athletes. That's amazing. So not only can they see their future, 
<laughs> from their backyard. But they get to meet Jackie Joyner Kersey today, too. That's incredible. I mean, I look forward to them receiving her book. I look forward to them learning about who they have in front of them. It's one of the greatest athletes, certainly, of my time as an, as a track and field athlete myself. Um, I've, as I said to everybody, I'm a little giddy and starstruck myself today. But I really hope that these young people get to see that this is certainly the, our version of the latest and greatest athletes that are out there today, but that they can see that it's also somebody who's decided to continue to give back in a powerful way in, in a community where we really need to keep giving back to and, and opening our doors to access. Yeah, reach back. And also, when you do that, they recognize maybe they're worth investing in themselves. If someone's willing to stop, take a look and invest in you, maybe throughout the rest of your life, you're willing to put that extra in to achieve that dream. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's in the, if that 1% of you believes, gosh, that can be me one day, then maybe that builds and continues to build over time and becomes a powerful force within you to think, you know what? Somebody invested in me. Somebody took a moment to stop their day and do something special and I got to see them do it at a high level and perhaps that can be me one day. What's going to happen today? We will play. So, right, there, <laughs> there's the opportunity. They'll be running around. You'll have anyone from a 610 center here running around like last year that was my vision with young kids but they'll play some games it'll be a physical education class but amped up a, a few decimals and uh, again they'll be about 300 between our student athletes and the students at lock that will just be hanging out and getting to interface and have a really good time you know this is an extension of who we want to continue to be as a university and a department where we we follow the lead of our president who wants to be the most civically engaged institution in the country and we want to grow people and this is our opportunity for our young people at drexel to grow and know what it means to impact your local community yeah, so start in your own backyard and then carry forward for wherever you end up in the world then once all the games, fun, activity, and hoopla was over, I was able to actually sit down with Jackie Joyner-Kersey to learn more about her book and what inspired her to write it. So you're here with the kids today. You're doing something special. How important is it to you to be here? It's very important for me to be here at Drexel University to be able to talk about my children's book and to do a book signing, you know, for young people who weren't even born when I was competing, but being able to connect them to dreams is really you know, uh, a blessing for me. And your dream came true, and you you brought along the entire country. You brought along globally women who really thought maybe it wasn't possible. We saw you and we thought, okay, this is possible. You don't even think about all of that and how um, you call it history-making because I remember watching Wilma Rudolph or Evelyn Ashford and just saying, wow, can I go to the Olympics and, and, and to be in a position where young people willing to listen to you is, is truly an honor and I don't take it for granted. Yeah, your impact is absolutely unmatched. And now you have a book that kind of carries on that legacy. What's this book about? You know, the, the children's book is, is you know, Jackie Joyner Kersey running for the goal, but the most important thing is connecting kids to dream. You know, helping them to, we all have dreams and we work hard, we can make those dreams become a reality. And when we are younger, sometimes they start off as a fantasy you know, because I never envisioned that I would go to the Olympics. I wanted to go, but let alone standing on the top podium, you know. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. We all watched. Yes. So <laughs> it is amazing when we can take a vested interest into our young people and then see a return on that investment, 
you know, later on in life. Yeah, because there's absolutely no substitute for a dream and then also taking the steps necessary to fulfill your own dream. Yes. That's so important is taking the necessary step to fulfill your own dreams because we all have dreams. But we also have to remember we have to work hard to bring those dreams to reality. And there are people that around you in your environment that will help you. And for me, it's to never forget where I come from and to remember those who didn't even know my name or who couldn't utter my name uh, to let them know that I am so appreciative and so grateful. And we are of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. For Sharaday Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.